Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And it is Pride Month. It's Pride this weekend in Toronto. I think it's Pride this weekend in New York, Evan. Indeed it is. Yeah, tonight is like the big kickoff to Pride in Toronto. I'm going to the, I always go to the Thursday night party. Very excited. We've got like every queen who's appeared on Drag Race in the past three years, it feels like performing. So very excited. As Olivia Coleman once said, gay rights. Gay rights now. I feel like she was the first of like the iconic actresses saying gay rights. I feel like that was the, either her or Rachel Weiss, but one of the two it of them. It did feel, feel like, like a was, kickoff. I feel like Olivia Coleman has a little bit more impact than Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Fair. I just said Weiss, but yeah, you're right. Vice. It's like one of those, like, I've never, I haven't said that. Uh, I don't know. I just no, came you're out right. of my mouth. I don't know. No, no, no. You're right. Rachel Weiss. It's <laughs> Rachel Weiss sounds like she's, you know, from the Bronx. <laughs> well, I think that all culminated, though, when Joy Behar said gay rights at the view table, which was oh, absolutely. truly the moment that that was the bookend. I think we had Olivia Coleman and Joy Behar. And now it's over. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, we've we established gay rights. And in some ways, yeah. we've stepped back. I mean, we've set we we're set back as a society, despite those actresses coming forward. So I don't know, maybe we get a new slogan in their mouths, or maybe, you know, I was gonna say iconic male actors, but I don't know if we really want that. Although Oscar Isaac did that gay, 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 gay mm-hmm. video, which I liked. Um, so I think there could, you know, there's room for some men to get involved. Some. It's an evolution. Look, okay. Yeah. Well, we want to talk about survivor and gay survivors lgbtq plus survivors because it's something that has seeped into our podcast naturally over all of our episodes it's the lens we try to look at survivor through but particularly during pride month this is our first pride month at drop your buffs and so (laughs) we didn't want the month to go by without marking the occasion because i think that there are there's certainly an underrepresentation of LGBTQ plus players, but the ones that we have, like pretty iconic, and some that I think are severely underrated. So we wanted to take an opportunity to highlight some of those today. Not to mention the fact that like we as a society have evolved so much on uh, you know, viewpoints around LGBTQ plus people in the last 22 years. When I say we as a society, I probably don't mean most of us listening right now, but you know, you know, society as a whole. And so it's really interesting looking at sort of like uh the treatment of those early LGBTQ plus players, or I guess we could just say LG. B, because we did not get any openly trans players until much Mm -hmm. later in the game. Um, But it's interesting to look at sort of like how they uh, were treated on the show, by the show, by the contestants, et cetera, by the fandom. And then looking to now when you have like the most recent cast, which is not overwhelmingly queer, but uh, has very heavily queer. It's very, very queer, Mm -hmm. even to the point where you have queer players now where their queerness is not even mentioned on the show just because there's not room for it within the edit because they either have 
other attributes that are make it into the edit or because other people are already taking the queer narrative like that which is a great thing i think it's actually um it's that to me is forward motion when queerness does not you know if, if one wants to center their queerness of course they can but i like the idea that you have these queer players on and then you read their wikipedia after the fact and you're like oh i had no idea yeah, totally. I totally agree. And the other great thing that's happened recently is that as a result of the diversity initiative, we're getting more queer players of color, which were severely, severely underrepresented. I mean, you look at the fact that Bryce in Cagayan season 28 was the first openly gay black man on Survivor. I think Bill Posley is gay. He was on One World, but he was not out at the time, right? Um, I think Ramona is bisexual from season one, but was not out, right? Even Sonia Christopher in season one was not out. You know, we had this conversation with Richard Hatch. She chose not to make that a part of the narrative on the show. Of course, it came out because of the like huge cultural impact that that had and the celebrity that those people found as a result of being on that season, but it was not a part of the narrative of the show. And so to, to have the first openly gay black man be in season 28 is completely wild and you look at the list so we've been consulting the survivor wiki list of lgbtq survivor contestants uh, in advance of this episode and the underrepresentation of queer women of color in particular is like very severe it's starting to change and like to your point about players who are queer, but it's not a part of their narrative on the show. I think a great example of that is Chanel in season 42. Like, no mention of Chanel being queer, but she is a queer woman. And I think that's very refreshing, although it would also be nice to have a narrative of, like, a queer woman of color. Well, it makes me think it's like, I kind of need Chanel's take on that because it's sort of, to me, it's all about autonomy, right? So it's like, Mm. if Chanel came in there and didn't want it, didn't necessarily feel any type of way about it being a part of her narrative, that's one thing. But if it was a big part of her time on the island and it was not included in the edit, then it goes into a problematic place. So I think that it sort of requires more information for us to really get a clear read on whether or not it's progress or if it's the opposite. It's, it's sort of, we need more more intel. I do want to shout out Jolanda Jones from Palau, another early yes, black yes. queer player. However, either she was not out or it was not part of her narrative at the time. We do not know. Yeah. And I'll be talking a little more about her later. But even that, that's season 10, too. So that's, I mean, I, yeah. I guess uh, it's relative to the the pantheon of the show. It's an early season. But even if you're getting your first, you know, one of your firsts and it's 10, 10 seasons in, I don't think that's necessarily something to snap your fingers about. So, yeah, I mean, as you pointed out, a severe lack of uh, black queer players. And then also, you know, we've had two out trans contestants on the American version of the show total. Um, And so that also remains something severely lacking. We've had no out trans women on the show ever. Um, We've begun to have out non-binary players on the show. But yeah, I mean, we talk about these diversity mandates that went into effect and and the implications of them as a result. And I think that I hope that the... uh, the greatness that has come from these last two seasons by way of the, the, the that mandate can extend itself even further because we need more more people within our community on this show. Yeah. 
Well, I want to talk about some of these people, and I was wondering what's the best way to go about this. And I thought back to our fantasy casting of Second Chances Two, and I thought, well, what if we fantasy cast an all queer returning player season, which will never happen, but that's the joy of this podcast is that we can make it happen for even just a moment. And so, what we've done is we've attempted perhaps sloppily, to pick out 18 queer players that we would like to see play again. It's not perfect. Uh, I have specifically, in my picks, avoided some obvious choices because I really want to highlight some underrated queer players or people that uh, may have been forgotten or that may people may not realize that they were queer players because it was not a part of their narrative or they were not out at the time. Um, so I think this is going to be interesting. I don't know that it's going to be perfect, but I'm excited to get into it and highlight some of these people. In addition, after we do this, we have been absolutely flooded with voicemails from listeners naming their favorite Survivor players who are queer, and I can't wait to play those for you because not only did we get listeners of Drop Your Buffs sharing their favorite queer players, we have also got a slew of past players sharing their favorite queer players, and some I know, some I do not know. Evan has been keeping some a secret from me so that I would be gooped, which I'm very rarely gooped on this podcast. Because I think I have a couple. I see everything and uh, I don't know what's coming. This is one of the rare times I don't know what's coming. I have one in particular that I'm very, well, I, I mean, a couple are, but I have one in particular I'm really glad to have gotten. And then I literally, I'm literally DMing with one right now because <laughs> I have one that said, sure, sounds fun, but I do not have the voice memo, and they are on our list of returning LGBTQ plus players, so I want to hear from them. Oh my god. But anywho, anywho we've, we've got, we've got a, I think between us, we have a dozen uh, alumni, so it's exciting. That's amazing. And I, not only US, but I have also procured some international alumni for you international fans. So stay tuned for the end of the episode when we'll be really celebrating a whole lot more queer players. But for now, let's get into, well, what is this season called, Evan? Evan, if there is a season where we are bringing back only queer players to play again, what is the theme of the season? Okay, so there is a big, I'm thinking about this in real time, but there's a huge, the biggest Pride party happening in New York this weekend is called Planet Pride. Um, and so I'm kind of riffing on that. I kind of think something Pride Island. Um, mm. It's cheesy, but also, mind you, this is CBS, so we have to kind of like stay um, topical, right? Like we can't go too like subversive here. And so I just feel like, and obviously Planet Pride doesn't work given the concerts of the show, but like Pride Island to me is is fun. It's celebratory, and it's it's you understand the conceit from the title alone, which I think is important. Survivor Fire Island, hello. That well, Pride off the Island. Wait, our queer season could be set on Fire Island. Yeah, you know they used to do the theme and then the location, like Panama Exile Island, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Uh, what was it? Vanuatu Islands of Fire. It could be Fire Island Pride. <laughs> no, that's bad. Uh, what about hmm, Chosen Family Feud? 
Chosen Family Feud. Huh. They can't I use Family Feud, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll workshop this we'll yeah. workshop it <laughs> i was gonna say call in with voice memos but i feel like we'll get too many actually yeah. um maybe in the comment section if people have any ideas in the comment yes. section of the yes Absolutely. in addition to an emoji which will well obviously hold on we're doing the rainbow flag emoji <laughs> of course or any take on addition, that the trans flag i will oh also yes take. absolutely the the gay pride flag the trans pride flag and, and, not or, and uh, your name for the season. Mm-hmm. And let's call this Survivor season 45, colon, because we know that they're filming 43 and 44 right now. So we're trying to think of this with a realist lens. So this is Survivor season 45. So we know, you know, 45 is our queer season. 50 is our legend season. We're doing a lot of programming here. Yeah, absolutely. We're doing this for free. For free. For free. Yes. Hello. No need for a whiteboard this time. And it sounds like CBS has their hands full at the moment, so they could use a little bit of help, uh, <laughs> something to mitigate some of the, the the turmoil within. So here we are, unproblematic, just trying to lend a helping hand. Hands. Yeah, I will say, I will say, coming at this with a realistic, unproblematic lens uh, is going to be problematic because, as I alluded to, we do not have enough women of color to choose from. And so we have not reached 50% diversity on this cast. I would like to think that in the next two seasons, we could certainly populate it, right? But we're not there yet. So uh, that is a caveat I will put on this because there are some really, really, really excellent queer women that I'm excited to highlight. Uh, they are just overwhelmingly white in Survivor's history. So mm. having said that, Let's get into it. I hope we're on the same page, Evan. So we're we're working from the same list, correct? We are. I will say there's one person on the list who I do not know, um, but we'll get there. <laughs> you mean one person I've chosen? Yes. Oh, well, I'll fill you in. Okay. Sure you know them. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get to it when we get to it. I love that. Like, this just happens sometimes uh, for me, when it, especially when it comes to the 30s. It's just like, it's in one ear, out the mm. other, because I just don't really... Outside mm. of 37, I, I can't really connect with the 30s. Yeah, so, I do, anyway, I do think I know 30s. who it is. I think I know yeah, who it is. there you go. Okay, well, we're, let's just do this in alphabetical order, which is the way that alphabetical order by first name. Shall we start with perhaps one of the most iconic queer players in Survivor history? If not the most, yeah. Amy Cusack from Survivor Vanuatu and, well, some of Micronesia. <laughs> She is, I feel like, especially in recent years, I feel like Amy's star has only grown brighter in the fan community. And I think this is really, really well represented in her interview on the uh, Pride Month RHAP podcast, The Pride Has Spoken. Amy did an interview with Evie Jagoda, and I thought it was really great. She had like really great insight, and I think it, demonstrated they they like talked a lot about how Vanuatu has really grown in popularity in recent years of course it wasn't that popular of a season when it aired and i think for many years after it was overshadowed by you know the things that came before and the things that came after it was in a weird place being post all stars but pre introduction of the hidden immunity idol and that golden age of survivor so i think it really got lost for people despite the fact that it is literally iconic and amy is a huge part of that 
Yeah, also just, you know, misogyny, right? It's like a season mm-hmm. in which the women persevere. So I feel like <laughs> with the society we live in, I, I can understand why that's uh, considered one of the forgotten seasons. And it's funny yeah. too, because so many people look at Micronesia uh, or um, One World as sort of these like amazing seasons where like the women band together. And obviously this is a little different because it's circumstantial. They didn't necessarily choose to all work together in the beginning. They were put on a tribe together. But nonetheless, I still think it's a great season. I think also worth noting about Amy, I'm thinking about this often. That's this concept of like, you know, leaving the party at the right time. And I think Mm. one of, I'm just using, this as an example of a person, but like Sandra, for instance, is someone that I think has been on this show too many times. I really think it was a mistake for her coming back and doing Game Changers um, because I just think that we weren't not able to develop an appetite for her. And with someone like Amy, I feel like you get the best helping of her in that she's a part of two iconic seasons, has memorable runs on both seasons, and is someone who, as you mentioned, has grown in popularity because we're able to miss her. Like, she's not presently within. And so I I think there's something to be said about not playing the game too many times. Now, that said, I want her back, but I think that there's enough distance now. Mm -hmm. But I think too often, especially hearing about the fact that, like, they're going to be incentivized to bring back recent players if they do mm-hmm. returnee seasons. It's so disheartening when it's like what you really want is someone like an Amy. It's why it's so exciting to see people like Kimmy come back all those years later or Kelly Wigglesworth all these years later. It's like you want that that time between. And I think from our list, I think she's one of the ones who... I want to say there, if they were to ever do a legend season and really dig into to players, I do feel like she would be a contender to be a realistic returnee. Yeah, I agree. And I think that she has the benefit of being on Micronesia, but not being on Heroes versus Villains, which so many iconic people from that season were. I think she's in a very similar category to Natalie Bolton in that sense, because, you know, I think that like, to your point, there was a real chance of oversaturation there. I mean, there is a really good reason that Parvati didn't play for a long time after Heroes vs. Villains. And I think the fact that she wasn't on Game Changers, to your point, gave us the appetite that we needed to see her on Winners at War and be excited about that. I mean, I think like Game Changers just overall was a huge mistake and flop. And nobody involved could have understood that at the time because I think that that was uh, oh no it wasn't the first all returning season but it was the first I would say all stars season since Heroes versus Villains if we overlook Second Chance as kind of like a, a unique conceit of a season um, it really felt like they were trying to do a new Heroes versus Villains by bringing back like real real big legends and it just flopped so hard that. It would have been nice to just skip that and go straight to winners at war. And so you see with some of those winners, even like a Danny Boatwright, right? Like she's certainly not as iconic as Amy Cusack, but you had an appetite to be like, well, what's she going to play like? I don't know how Amy would play Modern Survivor, but I'd love to see it. Without a doubt. And also just, you know, by way of queer representation, I think that her kiss with her girlfriend, Mm -hmm. which takes place in Vanuatu, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean... Not groundbreaking, but not not groundbreaking. I mean, truly just exciting to see two queer people embracing and also to have... But but that's all we saw because they did not show the kiss, right? They didn't? 
they did not show the kiss. So this was a big, big story at the time was that Here her I girlfriend am being was like, out let's there. celebrate Survivor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> her queerness was not a huge part of her narrative on the show. Uh, and then when her girlfriend came for the family visit, they, so this is talked about at length in the Pride Has Spoken podcast, which I'd encourage people to go listen to if you're craving more Amy Cusack. She talks about how Survivor used the kiss with her girlfriend at the family visit as a marketing tool. They were creating uh, commercials, little teasers about the kiss. So I've seen the kiss. No, it was like a will they, won't they almost. Oh. And then when it came time for the actual family visit, they show them embrace a cutaway and then they come back after the kiss. So at the time, I think they thought... Uh, as Amy put it, that Mark Burnett felt America was not ready to see a lesbian kiss on reality TV. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there is a, like a, there's a lot of history packed into that moment, uh, and unfortunately, I think it's you know. So then, literally, fumbled. erase uh, not you, Sean, but like erase what I said a minute ago of me being like, "This is a celebration <laughs> of this great moment." And it's like, okay, wait, never mind. My bad. <laughs> this just goes to show you it's been a while since I've seen Vanuatu, but we will be revisiting it at some point. Yes, yes. I think also one other thing that I would like to say about Amy is that it's so unfortunate what happened with her game in Micronesia because she really got. Well, it's not that she got swap screwed, but she kind of got swap screwed because she got swapped. She was not in that couple's alliance, right, with Parvati and Amanda, James and Ozzy. But at the swap, she sort of like wound up with some of those folks and was brought into their fold just so that the favorites would have numbers that they could use to take out the fans. But actually, like Amy was hustling during that time. And I don't know if people remember how hard she hustled. There's that iconic image of her that has recently become very memeable of her pointing at Eric Reichenbach with the machete, uh, trying to explain her plan to him. She had planned to blindside Ozzy to take advantage of the fact that the favorites now needed her number when previously they wanted nothing to do with her and she was on the chopping block at the old Malakal tribe. And, uh, you know, use her status as a favorite to gain their trust and then use the fans' votes to blindside Ozzy. And, of course, we know that Ozzy would later go out in a very famous blindside that has been, that continues to be talked about to this day. And that could have been Amy's move. Uh, But unfortunately, she kind of fumbled it. I think she talked to too many people and then Eric blew up her game to the favorites and she was sent home a little too early. So all that to say, I think she was an innovative strategist, an early leader in the Women's Alliance sort of idea on Survivor. And I just think that she could she could really succeed in modern Survivor. Totally. Totally. Shall we move on to a player you might not know? I don't. So I selected Aurora McCreary from The Edge of Extinction, who... Let's see if I can jog your memory. I probably can't. But so she was on the tribe with Joe and Aubrey, right? And so pre-merge, 
she didn't have a lot of problems because Joe was just winning all those immunity challenges for that tribe. And then post-merge, like Aubrey was a big target. They got rid of Aubrey. They got rid of Joe. And she had been like really tight with them. And so she was like at the bottom of this new tribe. She was like the last one standing. She won a couple of immunities to keep herself around. But what I remember about her on the edge of extinction was that she was just like in a constant scramble, right? She was always the name. She was always the easy name to be like, well, this week we'll get rid of Aurora. But like she worked her ass off. She made deals with war dogs. She like traded advantages to keep herself in the game. And I thought that she did a really, really excellent job. And I remember just watching her and being like, wow, she's actually really good TV, right? So, Aurora, doesn't jog your memory. Doesn't jog my memory. Nor did any of the other names that you <laughs> met. You said something like War Dog, and I don't. That's, yeah, forgotten season for me. You remember I mean, War Dog. I do, He's but like I don't. Little Tony. Like, I just, it's, and then when you said Joe, Rick I had Devins. to Google just now because I didn't know that you were referring to Joe Anglum, and then I was like, oh my God, Joe Anglum was on season 38. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I think I okay, really. well, I'm happy to strike Edge of Extinction from the record of Survivor. I would, yeah, I mean, well, the seasons. funny thing is it's like, I love 37 and I love 39, so I think just something happened for me with 38 where I just sort of dipped out. And also, I didn't like those returning players outside of Aubrey, um, so I wasn't particularly enthused. Hmm. okay but well, but she hey, sounds great you may be in for a treat when aurora yeah returns season for 45 survivor fire island <laughs> okay let's move on to our next pick here brad verada from cook islands love tried to get him to voice memo i am not yet i'm not <gasps> unseen just yet uh but uh yeah i feel like brad is uh, a really interesting pick um, in that he's one of those early queer players who was on the show very little, got very little narrative. Um, and I kind of just want to know more about him. He was on, right, he was on the tribe tri with Ozzy, correct? No. He was on the, um, well, he's Asian, so he was on the Asian tribe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, honestly, sometimes when we're talking about Cook Islands, because it's not like I forget that that's the <laughs> division of the tribe. That's the, yeah. I mean, like it didn't last long. It only lasted a couple episodes. No, I know. But that when that I, now that you said, I'm like, of premise. course he wasn't. But in my mind, wait, but then I made during the swap, is he with? I don't even know. Okay. I don't think he's with Ozzy. I could be mistaken on this, but what happened to him at the swap? Hang on. Wait, so the, it, it's so what I remember what I remember about Brad is that first off, like he had like a big story early on where remember he had that headache and Cowboy gave him the traditional headache treatment. And then as a result, it got rid of his headache. But as a result, he had this like open sore on his forehead for the rest well, so of the season. So this is why I'm probably a bad podcast host. But the fact that you say, do you remember a headache that a random Survivor character had in the beginning <laughs> of season 13 of the show? It's like, no, I do not remember Brad's headache. Um, but thank God I had yeah, it. Was an, it was like a big moment because Cowboy gave him the treatment. Cowboy was like, so he's like, he's like rubbing, he's creating fix, friction on his forehead to the point that he basically has like a skin rash on his forehead this for is, the rest of the season. And he's like, well, it got rid of my headache but now i look like this this is vaguely familiar okay so yes so yes, yes, that, yes. that was like his early story but but then at the swap i think what happened was that he wound up on that tribe that had rebecca borman parvati and rebecca was rebecca who's the makeup artist of the view now emmy award winning she put together 
uh, a women's alliance. They pulled Brad into the women's alliance, which I thought was kind of iconic. And then he joined them to vote out fellow gay J.P. Calderon, who would go on to be on Janice Dickinson's modeling agency. And I think that like, I, I just think like it was great that he joined the Women's Alliance. And is there anything more queer than turning than two gays turning on each other to vote each other? I mean, this is tale as old as time. Look at season four. I was just going to say, we, we've had this happen uh, again. Yeah, no, it, it's gay on gay crime is great. White gay on white gay crime is particularly uh, hits beautifully. Um, but yeah, I, I regret to inform anyone listening, hoping that JP will also be a part of this cast for to revisit this feud. <laughs> we, we, we will not be getting that. Um, but we're bringing back Brad. Yeah, I think we bring back Brad. He kind of got screwed by the uh, the mutiny, right? Because Jonathan Penner and Candace join. And then that's when he gets voted out is when they create that little alliance. Hashtag bring back bring Brad. back Brad. Brad was cute. I had a big Brad crush on Brad. Cute. So was JP. So is JP. Why do we have to fight? JP is not coming back. Okay, I've got one. Bryce. I think Bryce deserves his place on this season, and I'll tell you why. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but look, Cagayan is an incredibly, in my opinion, overly celebrated season of Survivor. And it is probably the least queer season of Survivor I've ever seen. I mean, there may be a season with no queer people. I actually can't think off the top of my head about that. There is. Um, isn't Thailand has no queers? Oh. Well, yeah, and I Amazon? guess in my mind, Jan is queer, but <laughs> yeah, you're there's, right. There's you're non-queer right. seasons. Yeah, there's probably several. There's probably several. But this one is so high in the minds of Survivor fans. And it just gives me like nothing that I come to Survivor for. I actually just rewatched this. I finished rewatching this on the weekend. And I really just can't fall in love with this season. I've tried so hard. I think there's interesting things about it. But it's just not giving me what I look for in Survivor as a little gay. Well, an old gay now, but I will say I appreciate that Bryce was a part of this season. I appreciate what he brought. We had never really seen a character like Bryce before. He did go out third. He did go out third. He lasted eight days. And I like appreciate what he brought to the season. But more than that, I think I have to respect what he's done post-survivor for somebody who spent eight days in the game he has probably impacted the show the least but impacted the fan community the most if we're looking at that ratio well and so i think he's put in the work i was gonna say rob sestrino i feel like would be up there too but i guess no 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 no, no. but i'm saying i guess i'm right, saying yeah, had such yeah, yeah, a low yeah. impact in the show but a high no i know i was gonna say community. but rob really hasn't been on the show that much but i guess it's like yeah he was for one season but yeah fair enough fair he literally changed the game in fair Amazon, fair fair so. okay well okay i yeah i really uh i think that bryce deserves his spot i think anybody who puts in this kind of work like if i'm saying that t-bird deserves her spot on second chances too because of all the work that she does in the podcasting community then i think bryce also deserves his spot on survivor pride island uh and it's gonna be the talk of the town Mm. 
Okay, so this one I'm going with, we've already talked about her, Chanel Howell from season 42. Wanted to put somebody newer in here. Uh, I certainly wanted to increase the visibility of black queer women because it's slim pickings on Survivor. And, you know, for anybody coming fresh off of our season 42 recaps, I think... Uh, you may not have heard the most flattering things about Chanel's gameplay, but I do think that she made good for for good TV. And I think she's got a lot of potential. I'm not like, I don't know if I'm like gagging to see her play again in any other themed season, but I think in a queer season, she has a place. Yeah, I also think that she was dealt a bad hand. You know, like some people come onto yeah. this show and just are never able to find their footing. And as a result, kind of can't get an inroad. And I feel like Chanel is a great example of that. Tori was another one on season 42 where it just was like, they just weren't able to get in the groove of things. So I would be, an not anxious, but I would be curious to see a season with Chanel in which she started off with some, some better footing and see what she could do with that. Because we didn't really get the opportunity yeah. to see her play because she was always backed into a corner. That said, there are players that are backed into a corner and excel at that very spot, which she was not able to do. I think the thing with Chanel was, if you're not really finding your groove, you want to be under the radar. And she was someone who like, wasn't connecting and was highly visible. And so I think that made her an easy target. I wonder if she could come in with sort of a renewed strategy around that, whether it be ingratiating herself more within an alliance or just kind of being more of a peacemaker or just someone sort of, you know, low key. That could be interesting and sort of uh, make her an interesting returnee. Yeah, totally. Shall we move on? Yes. Let's go to Gabon. Who are we Please. bringing back from Gabon? Oh, we are bringing back one of my faves, the great Charlie Herschel, who I love. I will admit, Charlie and I have a, a strong Instagram friendship. What? I was going to say we voice memo back and forth. I would. It's more accurate to say I voice memo him and he Are you kidding back. me? I've never known this. Oh, yeah, we talk you all... Well, yeah, yeah, well, so we... So my dear friend Chris and Charlie are like like close, close friends. Like they vacation together, blah, blah, blah. So when I was first watching Gabon, when I was doing my original watch of the show, I would always find, you know, the characters that I liked and and friend them, not friend them, oh my God, and add them on Instagram. <laughs> and I was looking at our mutuals, blah, 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 blah. Lo and behold, I found out that we had Chris in common. And yeah, but Charlie and I talk all the time. Charlie listens to Shut Up Evan. I mean, like Charlie and I have a whole, and he's very pop culture literate. Um, well, so we, yes. need, we need Charlie to listen to Drop Your Buffs, not Shut Up Evan. Well, I believe Charlie <laughs> does kidding. listen. No, no, I'm with you. I believe Charlie does listen to you drop your buffs. And uh, I think maybe we'll we'll hear from Charlie today. Stop. Should we, can we do it now? No, I'll wait. No, let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. Okay. Wow, I'm gooped because I think that Charlie was kind of like primed to be the next Todd Herzog in a lot of ways. Like he fits, uh, and not just that he looks like him physically, but like he fit the prototype of like this sort of like demon twink strategizer of like you know he was really he was smart and he pulled that onion alliance together he was the center of the onion alliance with his little crush marcus and he devised that plan to have you know layers around his uh layers around his alliance that were verbalized to who needed to know it. And I just think like he played that really well. Unfortunately, everybody in that alliance was absolute trash. Right. 
But one thing that Charlie says, uh, just in our conversations, and hopefully we'll be able to get into this uh, when he comes on Drop Your Buffs, um, is that like the edit depicted him in such a way where his kind of narrative is just that he's in love with Marcus. Like that's sort of like you get mm -hmm. like the, the puppy dog eyes from Charlie. And I think that there was more to Charlie's gameplay that we just didn't get to see. Um, and I would love to see Charlie back uh, on our season. I do want to say though, uh, John Early and Kate Berlant have a new special coming out on Peacock. Uh, would it kill you to laugh? And one of the jokes on the, the special is that Kate at one point, she like mentioned, she's like, she says something like, oh yeah, peeling back the onion on something. And she goes, you know, I just thought of that. No one's ever said that but it's such a good way to think about something you peel back the layers of an onion anyway that show that made me think of uh gabon but yeah charlie come back king yeah great wow i love that and there's also that you know we talked to sugar about this rumor that has long been shared that kenny was making homophobic comments about charlie and that that's why charlie was the first post-merge victim was because kenny didn't like him because he was gay I'm confident that we will get into that discussion with Charlie one day on this here podcast. I hope so. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to season 39, the season everybody loves to revisit. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we have the busted can of biscuits from season 39, Elaine Stott, who has to be one of the truly great modern characters of Survivor. It's such a shame that her season is marred by such controversy because she was such a standout star from that season. I feel like it's so overshadowed by what happened. And uh, I think if anybody deserves a chance to come back from pre-season 40, should Jeff overturn that arbitrary rule of his, I think Elaine is very close, if not top of that list. Absolutely. Elaine is uh, Miss Congeniality without question. And I think one of the great things about Elaine is she's not just beloved by the fans, but she's beloved by her cast. It's very clear in the season, but um, especially so in the reunion. I mean, like, people love Elaine, and uh, it just makes sense. She's not that I think that, like, it's important that queer people be likable, but... I think that having likable queer people on a show like Survivor, which has an audience that is predominantly non-queer people, is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I want to like I'm not, I'm not saying it need be part of a queer person's personality, but when it is inherent to who they are, it's a good thing I think to uh, display to non-queer people, non-queer audiences. Yeah, yeah. Because I think totally part agree. of how you know we move the needle forward in any sense with regards to. Um, Inclusion is just sort of making people realize that the thing that they might think they hate, that they were raised to hate, is in fact something that they can easily love. Um, and I think Elaine is a, she's just so lovable. And she was visible, right? Like she made it to the family visit. We totally. had, you know, a same sex kiss at that family visit in season 39, which we weren't allowed to have in season Yeah, nine. I was gonna say, I wonder how Mark Burnett feels about that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think, she was just like such a joy to wa to watch. Unfortunately, she kind of like really tanked her own game by voting out her allies and having like no. I mean, this was the season defined by uh, unnecessary quote unquote big moves, and I think she was a real victim of that. But I'd love to see her come back, and I think she has so much more to give. Next up, let's go to David versus Goliath for a bit of a wild card pick. But this person, so this is Jeremy Crawford. Do I need to jog your memory? 
No, I know exactly who Jeremy Crawford is. Oh, perfect. Because I was thinking about this and I'm going through the list and I really like went back and forth on some of these people. And I didn't have Jeremy on my list originally. And I couldn't stop thinking about him after I'd seen his name. And I was like, you know what? He was like really great TV. First of all, he's like for like, okay, like we're talking survivors, like an older gay man on Survivor, right? He's not in his 20s. And like very handsome. Very handsome. I thought very cute. And just like really smart and well measured, but he just got mixed up with all the wrong people. And you know that those early episodes of David versus Goliath, I always find like these iconic seasons. You talk about iconic seasons like David versus Goliath, like Micronesia. There's a slog usually in those early episodes where you're like, you don't know these people, you're kind of getting used to them. I feel like what gets you through that in David versus Goliath is the relationship between Jeremy and Natalie and how they form this bond sort of as two black players on the Goliath tribe. He's trying to like help her through her tricky social dynamics that she's created for herself uh, by being the sort of weirdo that she is. And she kind of appreciates that at first, and then it just absolutely falls apart, and she goes napalm Natalie on Jeremy. And I think that that just really, really defines those early episodes of David versus Goliath for me. I love him. I'm very for him. And again, it's like, I think he got in a situation that led to his downfall that I would be curious to see him come back, not in that situation and how he would play. Um, and especially thinking about him in an all queer season is just, I have no sense of uh, who he would align with. And I would be very curious to find out. I feel like if anything, he would have a very aggressive gameplay. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think he could play really strong. I think like he could be winner contender. Because totally. there's no threat associated with him, right? People didn't know what he could do, but he was really like strategizing hard on that Goliath tribe. And it's very much pitched to us as like, he's in the right. Totally. Right? So, okay. Least iconic thing Angelina ever did was take him out. Mm. Okay. Let's go to our favorite. I was going to say, I was thrown because you used the word least iconic in the tee up to this person, but I understand you were, it was not about this person. I was talking like, about I Angelina. Got, no, 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 no. Let's talk about the most iconic. Who is it, Evan? It is the great John Carroll, who I was hoping would call in, but is not calling in, but is confirmed to appear on a future episode of Drop Your Buffs. I think like we, I think there's no player you and I are more aligned on about our love for, uh, maybe Kathy. We both are huge yeah. Kathy stands. I think but- you've said that a few times. I think Courtney. Yeah, you're right. Okay. But he's up there. He's up One there. of the players. <laughs> <laughs> One of the players. Um, John is just like fantastic television, a fantastic survivor player, takes the game very, very seriously. It's he's a part of a great season with a great cast. And I think John is both a great player of the game and a great character on the show, of which Mm -hmm. not everyone has both. Um, And it's just insane that John was never brought back. Uh, He went out pretty early i mean midway through the season but early into the fact that you get the impression he's going to be a contender to you know to take it to the end uh and he it's you know fate does not work that way for him um but i think if anything it's just like i'm sad that we haven't gotten him back and even if we do get him back i will always think it's a missed opportunity that he was not brought back sooner 
Totally, totally. I think he could have been on All Stars. He probably should have been on All Stars. I mean, he was the victim of like the first big upset in Survivor history, like where uh, a minority got to flip the majority on its head. And he was the leader of that majority and got taken out. And he he had been playing so strong up to that point. I think what was really great about him was that as a young gay person watching the show he was the first person i saw that was like uh a realistic version of a gay person that i could see myself in because up to that point we had like richard hatch and which i was never going to relate to richard uh we had brandon on africa right varner Twink. on australia well varner wasn't even out on australia right, right? but so I we had mean... mitchell and varner on australia but they weren't out so it was like oh, here's a person who's out yeah. he's got yeah, a yeah. belly button ring he's running the show he looks hot hot hell oh my god there's if you google him one of the first and only images that will come up is him sort of he looks like he's oiled up almost i don't know yeah he was totally oiled up yeah and and we're grateful for it um yeah i think i think john was just incredibly important and it's unfortunate that like in today's world, there's so much to get into with John about that season. And I look forward to the day when it finally happens. But yes, to your point, I just think there was a way in which, especially at that time, I think a lot of people's views of queer people was that we were all Jack from Will and Grace. And mm. though I think Richard Hatch added to people's, you know, monolithic perception of queerness, it wasn't then at that point, it's like, okay, well, we're either Jack from Rilling Grace or <laughs> Richard from Survivor. So it wasn't exactly helping the cause. And I think John sort of made it seem like, oh, we're just like you, right? Like, we're all around you. We're your uncles, we're your sons, we're your school teachers, etc. Which I, it sounds like such an antiquated, like, viewpoint, but at the time, it was necessary. And so I wish that John had been a part of the show at a time in which he could go on podcasts and talk about his experience then. Like, I just think there's mm. so much about John's experience on the show that is lost because of the fact that we weren't having conversations about queerness and Survivor in, was it 2002? Yeah. 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 So it's just, uh, I, I feel like there's just a lot to explore about John Carroll. You know, I'm thinking too, it's like, I'm glad we're doing this episode, but I really wish Survivor would do like a special in which they like get these people together to talk about it, right? Like I think yeah. that this is a a ripe conversation, not only through the prism of the show, but as I said at the up top of this, but the prism through how how society has changed and how someone like John Carroll like really like was paved the way in ways I don't even know if he knows. Like, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. sure. I don't think he was going on there. I, I don't want to speak for him. I don't think he was going on there with this idea of like, I'm going to represent queer people. And yet that's foisted upon him because of the lack of us in that space at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And look, anybody who gets pissed on by Kathy Vavrick O'Brien huh. on television deserves a place in the Survivor Hall of Fame. Period. Okay, let's go to Palau and talk about Jolanda Jones, who we mentioned earlier. Now, f first, uh, well, first voted out, third voted out. That's debatable, right? Yeah. Because, of course, we lost uh, uh, one icon before her, Wanda, and then a man. Uh, but, but Jolanda was the first person to be voted out at Tribal Council on Palau. And uh, hear me out here because I think that <clears throat> she's the first person to go home from Oolong. With a charge led by Stephanie LaGrosa, did Stephanie seal her own fate by 
eliminating Jolanda first because they actually literally have a conversation about how they are going to vote out somebody strong just because they don't vibe with her. Look what look where that got her. Hello. Look where that got you, Stephanie. Now you're making Philly cheesesteak pizzas or whatever and voting for Trump. So I uh, Well and competing on that new reality show yes. with Suri. Yes. Yes. So yes. actually it got her not in the worst place, unfortunately. <laughs> so Jolanda's just somebody who I like a Obviously, was not on screen a whole lot. I I really uh, subscribe to her uh, her her approach to working. For every two hours you work, take one hour break. Uh, that's something I'm going to start incorporating into my life. Uh, I think she could have given us a lot more nuggets of wisdom had she stayed around a little longer. And I love the idea of getting a first out, come back, and have a second shot at it. Totally, and also it's like. For instance, when we're having conversations about returning player seasons, it's often easy to go to people that are either on the show for a long time that we have a lot of, you know, footage to work off of or someone that has like memorable moments on the show, like a Jeremy Crawford, for instance. But Jolanda is a great example of like, I don't have much to say about her because we got so little of her. And that's part of the reason why I, I there's just something about her that makes me want more. It's not rooted in like... I don't know a lot about her gameplay. I don't know a lot about how she would play the game in a returning season, which is why I want her back. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to David versus Goliath where we have another great entry. Lyrsa Torres, who I think was one of the beating hearts of the David tribe. I think she was so interesting. Again, somebody we had never really seen somebody like her in my opinion. Absolutely. And not only that, but like personally speaking, she is a gay archaeologist, which is literally me. I don't know if people know this, but <laughs> I am a licensed archaeologist, not really working in that field anymore, but I did. And I was gay. And you know what? Like I can tell you, you are gay. I was gay. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I am gay. I was an archaeologist. And I worked in archaeology. I actually worked as an archaeologist for many years. And it is an incredibly straight field. You do not run into gay people. I think maybe once I crossed paths with somebody who was a gay archaeologist and they left archaeology, as I did eventually. But it's just so rare. So I was like, oh, my God, who who is this woman? And I feel like she really brought a lot. I think that her early relationship with Elizabeth was like really representative of the bizarro dynamics that that david tribe would have and again like somebody who kind of got swap screwed uh and i think i think it was nick turned on her at the swap to join forces with the goliath so uh, i would really love to see her back i would love to see a lirsa elaine alliance on this season would be iconic speaking of iconic evan would you like to introduce our next player yeah i mean She's kind of not so present on the first half of our season, but then she emerges and it's just like a tornado, a tsunami, a volcano, all wrapped up in one. It's the great Natalie Bolton, who, as I think many listeners of this show know, she was primed to return in Heroes vs. Villains, was on the island, and then at the last minute was cut, unfortunately, 
which is one thing. I mean, cuts happen, but then to never have her come back again feels like the ultimate mistake. I think with Natalie, she, as I mentioned, her time on the show crescendos so quickly and then she's gone. And so I think Mm -hmm. speaking to what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about Amy and sort of like, you know, leaving the people wanting more, I can't think of any player... I, I don't want to, maybe there's another one, but at the moment, I can't think of any player at the moment who I think has more story in them than Natalie Bolton. And the chokehold she has on the Survivor fan community to this day, so many years later, I think is unparalleled for somebody who was a presence for as long as she was on one season. And I think it's a testament to the fact that there is a star quality to this woman who, that it, without her, we would not have arguably the most iconic moment in all of Survivor history where Eric gives her his immunity necklace before getting voted out by the Black Widow Brigade. Like, I, she is so important to the history of this show, and I cannot believe that she hasn't been back. And there's an, another great example of somebody who it's been so long, the hunger just grows and grows and grows to see this person back, and I would love to see her back at any point but especially on a queer season. The way she queered that final tribal council, we hadn't seen anything like it since Amy and Eliza at the Vanuatu tribal final tribal. I tried to get a call in from Natalie. I am not yet seen, but I do want to read her Instagram bio. Her handle is skin care. Wait, skin sacred. Excuse me. Skin sacred by Natalie Bolton is her handle. Um, rolls off the tongue, and her uh, bio reads, Bonafide, she spells bonafide as two words, Bonafide, face cuddler and oil slinger, alchemist in health and beauty and soul integration, mm. advocate for self-agency, skin worker, little curious one. She's located in LA and ATX. Is that uh, ATX? I'm unfamiliar. Don't ask me. Okay. Could be, could be Atlanta, uses, could be Anchorage. <laughs> she uses three emojis. <laughs> she has the white heart. She has uh, the sparkles, you know, the little, mm-hmm. the three yeah, green sparkles. sparkles. And then she has a dove. Love her. Yeah. I don't Work. know what an advocate Deepa. for self-agency is. I don't know anyone who is anti-self-agency, um, but I'm glad that we have her out here advocating. You know, one of the a, most heartwarming moments brand. of the pandemic for me was, uh, I can't remember when, it was at some point in 2020, and Parvati posted a photo, a selfie of her and Natalie using their buffs as masks hanging out. Wow. Like, how iconic. Mm, I hope they kissed. i hope so too (laughs) okay let's go to another icon evan oh one of your all-time dream crushes your future husband sorry to billy no i mean like we're open to to okay um this is the great i i don't know if i know how to say his last name ozzy lust 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 Ozzy. <laughs> I, I, I think of him he as Ozzy. He can Aussie. go by one name. I was going to say, but also his last Survivor. name is from Survivor. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. I mean, 
I don't think we really need to contextualize this. It's Ozzy just saying his name. You know why he's on the list. It's sort of like, uh, why do you bring Rob or Parvati back for an all winner season? It's just an obvious choice. Ozzy has to come back. If you want to hear him talk, uh, with us. He was our very first interview on Drop Your Buffs. He is going to be a returning guest on Drop Your Buffs. I'm telling Sean this in real time um, <laughs> because I think that there is more for us to get into about his post-survivor journey. And mm. yeah, I mean, he's legendary as a character on the show. And I think he also is interesting in that he he brings different... I mean, I don't think he's known for his gameplay per se, but he brings different gameplay into his four seasons, particularly in South Pacific, which I think is his best uh, best chance at, at the at the crown, outside of, I guess, Cook Islands as well. Mm-hmm. So two really good seasons by way of gameplay. And then even when he's not good at the game, he's good television, which is Micronesia. Um Yeah, and I just feel like he would be our very first fifth-time player in Survivor history, uh, which would be iconic because Sandra and Rob did not play in, uh, what was the season? Island of the Idols? Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, Sandra's played Australian Survivor, but I don't think that counts. Yeah, non-canon. So (laughs) that would be exciting. And yeah, I just think there's, who, I just, who doesn't, I've yet to meet a Survivor fan that doesn't love Ozzy. Yeah, I think that I think it w- this particularly would be a very interesting season to see him play on because, of course, he only just recently in the past month or two months has come out as bisexual. And I think that that's uh, really a really great thing for him and very excited for him and very excited to see, you know, how this changes his public life because or will it at all? Uh, and I'm I just like. I think that especially after talking to him, I have nothing but love for Ozzy and I would be curious to see him play again. I think, I think if you asked me if I wanted to see him play again uh, a year ago, I probably would have said no because we've seen him play four times. He's done well. And I think that he kind of has done all he can do. I don't know that he can ever win with the game that he plays. I think he said that to us actually in our interview but, but that's not the on point. the queer season where we are where we're getting by representation Aussie. I'm curious to see. I am by curious to see him play. Hello, but also mind <laughs> you, it's like Parvati wasn't going into all winners with any intention to win the game. Like True. I just think like at some point we can recognize the fact that like uh, to play this game, one does not necessarily play with the intention of taking a million dollars. I don't think Aussie ever plays this game without the intention of winning. Great. I don't see I him love going in with no, I, which I, I guess, love, which I love. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, fair, yeah. But I think he would accept the fact that he didn't. He's gone through it enough times, you know? Yes. Okay, let's talk about the original Survivor gay, Richard Hatch, who I think is complicated, complicated person. If you want to hear how complicated he is, of course, you can go revisit our interview with him, uh, which, which recently blew up in listenership uh, for some reason, like, Tons of people started listening to this over the past couple of months, uh, <laughs> even though we didn't heavily promote it. Uh, it it's like a, it's a he, he is a fascinating person. You can see why he was such a star out of Survivor Borneo. He's fascinating to listen to if a little combative. But 
of course, he defined how this game is played and won for uh, many, many years after he played. And I I think you could argue even still today. And I would be very curious to see how his game would evolve, how he would adapt to the modern, modern era of the show. And also what his chances would be on an all-queer season, because I think he would be fighting a severe uphill battle. Yeah, I also think there's somewhat of a... Not, I know everyone will not agree with this, but for many people, we some of us feel that he has no mission from the all-winner season, so I feel like for those of us that feel that way, we might be in the minority here, uh, but this would be an opportunity to sort of rectify uh, a, a wrong... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think his chances would be much better than they were in All-Stars. I think he would be a pre-merge boot for sure, if not first couple rounds. I don't agree. Really? Yeah, I just think especially with the All-Winners, I think that there are so many targets. Um, No, but I'm talking about the queer season. Oh, um, I think I don't think that I don't think that fellow queer players have a lot of respect for Richard Hatch. I may be wrong. No, but I also feel like there are strategists out there that might see the value in using him as a shield. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But is he trustworthy? Will he come along with your plan? I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's how he adapts to the game. Maybe he Find is. out this fall. On Find out. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's move on to another entry from Vanuatu, the great scout cloud lee i know one of your favorites evan do you want to talk about scout i mean scout is just you know you were mentioning earlier that like jeremy is one of like the older queer people we see and i I know what you mean you're not wrong but it's like scout is like (laughs) this i mean this with actual respect when i say this but scout is a queer elder both then and now there's just like and what i love about scout is like she is way Choosing words carefully. There's just some challenges that, like, she can't even, like, compete in. I have memories of one in particular. Because doesn't she injures herself towards the talent of the season, yeah. if I remember correctly. And I there's, so, and, But yeah. she still does the challenges. But there's, like, several challenges in which you're just like, Scout cannot play this game <laughs> as it is designed. Yeah. But I also just, I love the way that, like, even her tribe mates just have this respect for her. Like, she's never really a target because it's like, who would go after Scout? And I think it was a time in the game when there was, uh, I think these days there would just be less respect or, or def- deference mm. given to someone like a Scout. But at that point in the game, it was just kind of like, Scout, you wanted her around. I mean, both the cast members, but also us as viewers. Um, I don't think there is a realistic way in which Scout could play the game again. But I also feel like it's, we need her back. So she's playing. <laughs> yeah. If we have to bring her in on a sled, bring her in because I would love to see her back. It was so interesting to see her in Vanuatu because to have two lesbians on on a tribe together at that time was so rare. And to see them sort of like come together and then fall apart was so interesting. Yeah. And the way that that alliance fell apart, the way that sort of Chris got in there and took advantage of the infighting in that alliance and to see like Amy and Scout no longer want to work together. So interesting. And I think like does so much for, or did so much at the time for, uh, you know, interpersonal gay storytelling on reality right. TV that we just hadn't really seen a lot of then. Yeah. My one worry would be that we'd get a little bit of like an Amanda Parvati situation in heroes versus villains and have like these two players mm. that 
at one point we're working together on a returning player season and you're like, okay, like, can we get the band back together? And my worry <laughs> would be that they would like come in there and just be like, we don't want to work together. However, I feel like in this instance, they would team up once again. Okay, well, let's talk about somebody who probably would team up with Scout. And that's the iconic Shambo Waters from Survivor Samoa, who it shocks me to this day that she was never brought back. I can't believe how many times they brought back Russell Hands during this era of the show and that Shambo never came back. I believe she was asked back and chose not to return because I think that she didn't love her experience on that show for some obvious reasons. But she was just like so interesting, like another great example, almost like an Elaine that just like really wore her heart on her sleeve. She was unapologetically who she was. I think her queerness was not a part of her narrative at all and didn't have to be because she had so much else going on. And I just think that like she, I don't know that her gameplay was stellar or anything, but I mean, like she she played, she played, and uh, it was an interesting arc and probably the only memorable arc from that season that was not Russell's arc, right? So Yeah. I also be just so curious. Back. There's so many people on this list that I would want to see her play with. Yeah, totally. Like I'm even thinking totally. like Shambo and Ozzy, Shambo and Natalie Bolton. Like there's just so many yeah. pair-ups here that I'm like, I want to see how Shambo would function on this season. And I think she deserves to play a season that is not dominated by Russell Hans because so much of her story is like hijacked by him. Okay, let's move on to possibly next to Amy, ahead of Amy, maybe the most iconic queer player in Survivor history. Eh, well, Richard Hatch, okay. But no, I put this one above. Well, I mean, like, more Richard people has know like, who Richard is. Well, sorry, we, we usurped the name. Or I usurped the name. Sorry, can you say it again? We deserve Todd Herzog. We're talking Todd Louder, Herzog from Survivor um, China. Todd. <laughs> say his name. Um, <laughs> well, no, I think Richard will always have the precedent, right, of, of being yeah. the first. But I think in, in the... And I, but, and I think so much of Richard's success on the show is due to the newness of the, yeah. how, you know, playing the game, how the how to, and he mastered the gameplay while others were sort of getting familiar with like what reality television was. I think Todd's triumph is more, I don't want to say respectable, but I think a bigger feat, um, especially in a season where you had, uh, I don't think you had as many big game players in Richard's season as you did on uh, on uh, China. And uh, I also think there's no player I can think of in Survivor history, and I, I say this definitively, more deserving of a second chance at this mm -hmm. game uh, than Todd. And I think that Todd's been through a lot in his personal life in the interim between his first season and now. And it seems my sense is, and we'll find out when we have Todd on the show soon, but my sense is that he is primed for return. And I think... Uh, would you agree with me? He's the biggest omission outside. Well, I guess Vesepia though, but I think Vesepia and Todd are really and Tina. Okay, yeah, and 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 and. But but I think Todd <laughs> is a major omission from the All Winners season. I and there are many many men on season forty that I could swap any of them for Todd. <laughs> yeah. One yeah. of them's Tony. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go to our final, final pick, all the way at the bottom of the alphabet. That is Zeke Smith from Millennials vs. Gen X and Game Changers. King. King. 
I mean, Zeke, he'll never like, play again. He never wants to play again. Uh, he he is another person who has recently given an interview to Evie Chigoda on The Pride Has Spoken. A rare interview because he very rarely talks about Survivor and talks about how, uh, although it's impacted his life, uh, I think probably it's a net positive. Uh, I think for many obvious reasons, um, it changed the trajectory of his life in a way that was outside of his control and, uh, you know, probably damaging, at least in the short term. Well, I just always come back to that 2010 interview with Parvati in which she, in which she said she would never play again. So I am hopeful that, you know, time changes people's feelings on whether or not they would return. But I feel like it would be, we can't have a queer season without Zeke. It's kind of like, you know, uh, it's just, it, 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 he's necessary uh, in this season. And I also think notably about Zeke is just like, I don't often love the player that comes on that's like, I am an expert at the game. I like the, the sort of like uh, the person that treats it like science uh, doesn't always do it for me. Like Christian Ubicki being a great example mm-hmm. that like, I, you know, but I do think that Zeke really excelled at combining his knowledge and understanding at the, of the game and infusing that into his social relationships, but not having that dictate you know, it's like I feel like he was able to form authentic bonds uh, with gameplay sort of spinning in his head all along. I just think he had a mastery of how to how to maneuver through the game that few few possess. Yeah, totally. And just such a rare example of trans representation on this show. Of course, one of only two trans players, along with Jackson, who barely was a player on season forty-two, and so desperately need more representation from the trans community. So would love to see Zeke on this season. There are so many that we did not include on this list that that's the last one, right? So there are so many we didn't include, you know, some of the reasons we just didn't have space, other reasons we picked them for our second chance casting. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to that if you want to hear some more thoughts on some of these great underrated queer players. I'm going to get an absolute earful from Ricard Foyer for not including him on this list, but he was on my second chance list. Okay, Rafe, like, uh, amazing i would love to see like josh and reed play again i mean they're not a couple anymore but oh my god they were fun to watch and uh high from the last season evie of course from season 41 who i think will probably be back anyways brandon of course from survivor africa there are so many queer players to love and we're not done celebrating them yet because we want to hear from some of the former players and listeners of drop your buffs on who their favorite queer players are. So let's listen to a compilation of some of the voicemails we got from listeners and from iconic former players, some of which I don't even know who has called in. So I'm going to be gooped by this just as much as I hope you are. So let's hear from some legends. Come on in. Hi there. I'm original Survivor winner Richard Hatch. And my favorite queer Survivor player is me. (laughs) But if you want me to pick another, I choose Amy Cusack. Hi, Evan and Sean, a longtime listener, first time voicemailer. My name is Paul. I'm from Vancouver. And my favorite queer survivor player is Brad from Cook Islands for being the hot queer Asian representation that my little closeted self needed back in 2006. Hi, my name is Daniel. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and one of my favorite queer Survivor players is Brad Verada from Cook Islands. 
Hi, Evan and Sean. It's Parvati from Survivor Micronesia, Survivor Cook Island, Survivor Heroes versus Villains, and Survivor Winners at War. And winner of Survivor Micronesia, you already know that. My favorite LGBTQ plus player of all time. I'll never forget the day I met him, Bryce Purple Pants. Bryce Purple Pants, he makes me laugh so hard. I love everything about him, especially his purple pants. My name is Georgia Davis. I'm from Seattle, Washington, and my favorite queer survivor player is Natalie Bolton. Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm from Brooklyn, and my favorite queer player is Zeke. My name is Alyssa. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and my favorite queer survivor player has to be Todd of arguably the queerest like season ever, Survivor China. Hi, my name's Emily. I'm from Minneapolis. And since you're making me pick just one, my favorite queer player is Todd Herzog. Hi, this is Todd Herzog, the winner of Survivor China. And my favorite queer Survivor player would have to be Amy Cusack. She originally played in Survivor Vanuatu and then again in Fans vs. Favorites. And she is just a uh, wonderful human being. Hi, my name is Brenna. I'm from Bellingham, Washington, and my favorite queer Survivor player is Elaine from Island of the Idols. Hi, it's Tiffany Seeley from Survivor 41, and my favorite queer player would be none other than the Dr. Evie Jagoda. Did anybody think I would say anything else? Hi, my name is Ray. I'm from Brooklyn, and my favorite queer Survivor player is Amy Cusack from Vanuatu and Micronesia. My name is Jaime from New York City, and my favorite queer player is Amy Cusack from Vanuatu, an iconic fan versus favorites. Hi, it's Eliza Orleans from Survivor Vanuatu and Survivor Fans versus Favorites, and my favorite queer player is Amy Cusack, obviously. Hello, my name is Ava. I am from Illinois, and my favorite queer player by far is Ricard Foyer. What's up, Sean and Evan? It's Ricard from Season 41 Survivor. Um, my favorite queer players from American Survivor are Natalie Bolton and Todd Herzog. Love, miss you both. Mwah. Hello, my name is Dustin. I currently live in Seattle, Washington, and my favorite queer Survivor contestant is Sonia Christopher from Survivor Borneo. More people should recognize her importance in this series and how amazing she is. Hi, I'm Terrence. I'm from Virginia. And my favorite queer player would be, if we're talking international, it would be Santoni from Survivor South Africa. Uh, for Australian Survivor, it would be either Khan or Craig from Season 1. And if we're talking just US, it would either be Ricard or Natalie Bolton from Micronesia. Hi, this is Santoni from Survivor South Africa, Immunity Island. And my favorite queer Survivor player, besides me, is Ty. He's just an absolute sweetie and I love him to bits. Hola, my name is Melanie Vergara. I am from Barranquilla, Colombia, like Shakira and Sofia, my alleged cousin. My favorite queer Survivor is Caleb Bankston. And the reason is because he was the one who managed to vote out Brad Pepper the first time that guy played. So he's awesome. And also he had to put up with Colton. That sucks. All right, P. Caleb. 
Hi, my name is April from San Francisco, and my favorite queer player is Charlie from Gabon. Hi, I'm Brian from Survivor Guatemala, and my favorite queer Survivor player is Charlie Herschel, because we're in a text chain, and if I don't say him, I'll hear about it. Hi, I'm Charlie from Survivor Gabon, Earth's Last Eden, and my favorite queer Survivor player is Todd Herzog. My name is Caleb. I'm from Nova Scotia. And my favorite queer player is by far Brandon Quinton from Survivor Africa, the original femme gay. Hi, Sean and Evan. I am Tom. I'm from London. And I would say my favorite queer player in Survivor is probably Brandon from Survivor Africa. I loved just seeing like a bitchy gay on TV, especially that early into the show's run. And the fact that his luxury item was lip balm just like seals the deal for me. Okay, take two. Hi, I'm T-Bird from Survivor Africa and my fave queer Survivor player is Elaine Stott, John Carroll, Todd Herzog, Bryce Johnson, Brett LaBelle, Brandon from Survivor Africa, of course. So many awesome people to name. Hi, my name's Ben. I'm from Washington, D.C. And my favorite queer Survivor player is Bill Posley from Survivor One World. Hi, I'm Josh from Survivor San Juan del Sur, and my favorite queer Survivor player is Todd Herzog. My name is Ned, I'm from Sofia, Bulgaria, and my favorite queer player is the iconic, the legendary Miss. You have labeled yourself as a flirt. You're probably the most masterful person in the history of Survivor to play the flirt card, which is great. My question for you is, how does that resonate for you in the bedroom? How do you take that to the next level as far as strategy in the game? How does that translate your layers of being? Miss Natalie Bolton, she did her duty as a queer person on the show to annoy Jeff, make the jury laugh, and make us all gag. Hey, Sean and Evan. This is Zach in the Mile High City of Denver. Um, there are so many good queer characters in Survivor. Um, it's hard to pick f just one. Uh, my top two, Mike White and Zeke, of course. This is Hi from Survivor 42, and my favorite queer player of all time is Ty from Korong. My name is Jet. I'm from Pasadena, California. My favorite queer player is the one, the only Richard Hatch. Hi, it's George from Australian Survivor Brains vs. Brawn, and I have an old school and a new school US favorite queer Survivor player. I think from Old school survivor, um, it's important to acknowledge Richard Hatch, who was very visible a, a long time ago when um, that wasn't quite the case. And for a lot of survivor players like myself in that 30 age bracket, when we first started watching Survivor as children, um, I think it's important that Richard was an out and proud gay man um, on a TV show that was very popular worldwide. And in terms of a new school queer survivor player, uh, might show some recency bias, but I think my favorite is Ricard Foyer because he was a dominant player who was proudly themselves out there, shared a very important personal and family story, and it was great to see that on our TV screens. Hi, my name is Kim. I am from the Jersey Shore, and my favorite queer player, or players, because I have two, is Amy Cusack. And one of my all-time favorite players who I would do anything for him to come back, Rafe Judkins. Hey, I'm Rafe from Survivor Guatemala. Um, and my favorite queer Survivor player is uh, 
is obviously uh, Amy from Vanuatu. Um, but I do want to say, like, it's been such an amazing thing to be able to see seasons recently that have more than just uh, the one queer player on them. Um, it was such a thing of the show for such a long time that they'd have usually one gay person per season. Um, so it's, it's it's been really cool to see that, although uh, I, I would still always give the prize to Amy. Um, all right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, wow. I can't believe, first of all, how many listeners sent in great picks for their favorite queer players, but also how many former players reached out because it's so heartwarming. It's filled my heart with so much love for all of these great LGBTQ plus players that Survivor has had. There's been so much queer excellence on this show that I think is so under-celebrated. And I'm so glad that we took the time to do this. And I know that we've even missed people. So, hey, in the comments of the post, please, like, call us out for who we missed because there's so much and to celebrate. And tag them. Like, we want to we wanna reach out to these players. It would be our hope to have every single queer player that's ever been on the show on the pod at some point. Also, just shout out to these former players. I, uh, Beauchamp and I did this reach out very last minute, uh, as was uh, the case with this episode. And, and and so uh, people got back to us right away. People took a moment to record. I recognize the fact that a lot of people pay money to hear from these players and they gladly offered up their time for us. And, you know, especially having... Richard, Todd, Parvati, three winners uh, contribute to the conversation, two of them being uh, the only two queer winners of the show thus far. So um, we're just extremely grateful. Yeah, I love it. Okay. I'm going to have a happy pride after this episode. And Evan, I hope you do too. And you know what, Sean? I'm thinking, I (laughs) I think our next two episodes... I think we should continue, you know, we had the Parvati, we had Sophie, we had Hatch. Let's continue uh, with some winners. I would love to. Let's even great. get a queer winner. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> well, we've had only Richard, one left. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's get, let's get another one. Yeah. But I'd also love an early, early season winner as well. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. Let's do like, maybe we do two winners back to back. Would love to. It's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of money on this call and it's not going to be from either of us. Hello. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for doing this fun little deep dive into LGBTQ plus players with me, Evan. And thanks everyone for coming along for the ride and sending in your suggestions. We've loved it so much. And so remember, the comments are the rainbow, the gay pride flag, the trans pride flag. You can at your favorite queer character. You can do hashtag uh, bring back bring back Brad. <laughs> or there was another call. Out that a had. title, a title for the season. Ah, the title for the season. So yeah. you've got many options this go round. But I really want to uh, replug bring back Brad. Bing, bring, yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. <laughs> Not so hard to I type. Know. So no excuse. Bring back Brad. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a rating on Spotify. Uh, If you'd like us, make sure that you're following us over at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram. And make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss some maybe iconic interviews coming up this summer. And we have lots of plans to ramp things up in the offseason. Some great summer content coming to you. So make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss anything. Thank you so much. Have a happy pride. 
Bye. Gay rights. Bye.